foodie. 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 From the Not A Foodie studio, which is not actually a studio, it's just my dining room table in Queens, it's the Not A Foodie podcast. I'm Tom, and as always, I'm joined by... It's me, Mike. <laughs> hey, Mike. Hey, it's been a minute, man. It's we been, haven't, we haven't recorded I don't know the last time we've recorded in this room. I know. We've been we've been traveling around and doing remote pop-up podcast locations, and then we've done a, a few... Um, travel, tra- yeah. Like you, you've been traveling. I've been traveling. So it's good to be back for sure. I almost forgot how to how to set up all the. It gear took you in, a very long time. Beautiful studio. It took it took us a long time because <laughs> we were catching up. <laughs> so welcome to the Not a Foodie, I, the Not a Foodie podcast relaunch. No, it's not a relaunch. No. We just haven't. It's we're just, just been a on while. a hiatus. A little hiatus yes. of life. So is this? Does that mean this is our second season? Sure, sure. <laughs> season two, episode one. Let's go. Uh, so Mike and I, we've both been sort of traveling. We've both been doing different things, and I'll let Mike talk about it um, quite a bit. But you know, he Mike went to Thailand, which was a great experience for him, and he ate at you know some really great places. Um, while he was gone, I ate at um, a, a really nice place here in New York, and we were talking about the fine dining experience. So like I really love to go out and have, you know, good meals at moderate prices, like mm-hmm. the middle-aged man that I am. Um, but I also, and, and I, I also like street food, like cheap, nothing, you know, no, no cost street food. That's delicious. But I can also every once in a while, definitely sit down for a four hour, tasting menu of deliciousness and i feel like you can only do that once in a while like i, I oh, me if personally you, if I you can't do, do that, that like after i went to gagan if you go so back wait, to gagan uh-huh. a second day it's like what there, like, why yeah it's the same meal yeah <laughs> so like talk about that so you so, yeah so what, what's so gagan where gagan is uh he's an indian chef mm-hmm. who set up shop in bangkok thailand for the last, I think now four years in a row, he's been voted the number one restaurant in Asia. And he just, those ratings just came out they again. They just came out right was, after I got back from Thailand. And he's still number he's one. He's still number one. Yeah. Um, if you see, he has a chef's table episode and then this Netflix show called Somebody Feed Phil. Uh, the oh. episode one, they go and eat at Gagan and he gives them the tasting menu, but like personally. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a 25 course tasting menu. They give you wow. the menu as soon as you sit down, and it's just a fucking list of emojis. <laughs> no names, nothing. It's just fucking emojis. That's so fucking Asian. <laughs> and then they bring you everything, and they tell you what it is while they bring it to you. And at the end, they give you like a, a clear version of the menu with the names on it. So you put it on top of the menu. You put it on top of the and it's emoji an overlay. Okay, but like it's already it has all the emojis on well, it. Well, so anyway. the are the emojis um are they feelings or are they? They're literally it's or? like one of them. So they do a a, a chicken tikka masala, mm-hmm. um, but like it's like a bite, and it's um the the fill it's a bite like almost like a Ritz cracker, mm-hmm. and the filling of it's uh, tikka masala that they, they make and then they puree. Okay. 
Um, so this the emoji. So it looks like like a little pate on yeah. a cracker. Okay. So the emoji for that is um. Wait, no, I'm sorry. That one is uh. Oh, it's fucking crazy. They have tomato water that they make into like a, a wafer on oh. them. Oh. Um, yeah. Uh, so the emoji for that's the UK flag, because it's not an Indian dish. It's okay. an English dish that like it, people think is Indian. Was there was there a poop emoji? No, there wasn't a poop. There was an eggplant emoji, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the girl beach. that brought it over was a really really cute nineteen tw- uh, twenty year old girl from London who's a stage, and she had What's to say, a stage? Uh, stage is somebody. It's a restaurant slave. Yes. Yep. Yeah, it's a slave. They work for free uh, to learn to boost up their resume. Uh, it's, I think she's there for a month. Usually it's like a week or two. Um, so hearing her say eggplant emoji with her cute little English accent was very funny. And I, <laughs> I didn't laugh on the inside, but I wanted to. And that one, that's like one of his more famous. Di- he has like three famous dishes. Mm-hmm. But this one, uh, it takes like a week to make. It's dehydrated eggplant, eggplant chutney, and th- like a sandwich. Um, and you eat it in one bite. And it's gone. Wow. Yeah. Um, so it's it's not fine dining because you eat with your hands almost the entire meal. Um, well, but is it – so is it uh, – why do you eat with your hands? Because and, and that's it just who Because that's an Indian that, – No, it's, it's okay. not. That's It's Gagan. It's he wants this to be fun. Um, there's the, the tongue emoji, like the, the cunnilingus emoji. The, <laughs> um, I, now I'm never going to look at that emoji yeah. again. Uh, the same way. So before, so before you get that plate, you get a, a an iPod Nano with the <laughs> okay, not the one with the screen, just the iPod Nano just, that just has like the play button, the wheel, uh-huh. and it's attached to a JBL speaker, and they hit play, and it's lick it up by Kiss, okay. <laughs> While you're while you're looking at while you're eating the meal that has the emoji of yes a, a, okay and then they bring you a bowl like it's like a plate with like sides higher uh-huh. sides and um it's like three curries in like a almost like a flag type mm-hmm. and then they take a stencil and it says lick it up and they fill the stencil out and you literally have to take the fucking bowl up and lick it <laughs> I I should. <laughs> I need to like uh, boomerang that that <laughs> image of what he, Mike is pantomiming, <laughs> licking the bowl. <laughs> kind of like this emoji. Yes, yes, that's exactly it. <laughs> well, so what was your what was your favorite bite there? The tandoori prawn. Uh, it's Tan- tandoori prawn. Yeah, so tandoori oven, like tandoori chicken. Right. Um, it's I think it's like a cage almost that they put the meat in and they put it inside like a fire and move it around to cook it in Indian spices. It's the best piece of seafood I've ever had. Hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. That was the best thing. And then like, I think the next thing was the, the chicken tikka masala. Really? And it wasn't, it was definitely good. But like after having that prawn, that was so good. I was just like, eh, like I really wish that they switched those two. Hmm. Um, it was four dessert courses. And then I let them know it was my birth. It was really hard to get this reservation. Um, I wanted it for like the next day because this was my first day in Thailand. So I knew I was going to be really tired. So I didn't want it for that day. Okay. Um, and I was super fucking tired and dehydrated and all this stuff. And uh, so I told them it was my birthday in the email. Oh, I wanted the second day. And they were like, sorry, we're all full- booked. So I sent them another email. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to be in Bangkok for these days. 
Uh, I manage a restaurant in New York City. It is very important to me that I get to dine here. Please find something for me. So they sent me an email back. They're like, okay, you can come here at 9.30. Dope. Um, so four dessert courses. Then they bring out a candle and sing happy birthday to me. And they're like, oh, we're really sorry that we don't have like cake. I was like, oh, dude, you just gave me four dessert courses. Like, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. And they're like, no, the candle is the cake. Wait, what? The candle was like almond cake stuffed with mint and chocolate. <laughs> And it was the best dessert course out of all of them. I like those um, those sort of delightful meals, you know, where you're like, oh, wow, that's that's just nice. That's so, you know, those the meals that – or those courses that just sort of make you smile. I mean, I feel like at these tasting menu places, um, there, are, there are courses that are designed to challenge you. There are courses that are designed to – give you comfort you know it's something that tastes familiar but maybe it's a new spin on that mm-hmm. um and then there are these courses that are just there to delight you i i mean it's a lot of like flexing uh gagan because they're all one I or think two most bites of these places are yeah uh so like one of his famous dishes is like yogurt explosion and it's like an orb of yogurt and you like bite it and it like literally explodes it's really cool then there's another one of his famous courses and it he has like three i don't remember the third but they uh they are always on every iteration of the tasting menu. Hmm. So he, they're like some of them stay or then like he'll bring some back and there's always new ones, but these three are on every single one. Uh the other one is it's a white chocolate ball, but like it's really beautiful. It has like red on it. It's like the size of a marble and inside is uh chili oil. So it's like this white chocolate heat deliciousness and it's one of the earlier courses too, which is really nice to like get your tongue ready. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so it's just it was really really incredible. What was a if you don't mind me asking, what was the cost? Um, so I it was I ordered a really good bottle of champagne. I ordered the Pierre Germonet Extra Brut for myself. It came out to like four hundred bucks. Oh, okay. And that's with the tip, and that's with um, VAC, which is like Thai yeah, tax, tax, which yeah. like I guess I could have got back at the end, but I didn't keep yeah. any of my receipts. <laughs> so. That's all right. You're donating to the Thailand. Thai I like. Thai I had enough. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's fine. I had a good time in Thailand. I um. So, you know, I want to talk a little bit about Aska, which is the the latest tasting menu that I had, and and I'll say that I hadn't been delighted, or I haven't I haven't been wowed. I should so Aska is not like our cat. It's not like a regular fine dining establishment. It's a Norwegian. Icelandic? No, it's, it's Nordic. Nordic. It's, yeah. Okay. Um, so it's 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 Nordic food, which is sort of the new trend in fine dining in you know in New York and um, and you know some of the best restaurants in the world are you know those Nordic restaurants in Copenhagen and you know places like that. Um, and this is this is a place in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, and it's I mean it, it was delicious. It was it was phenomenal. It was I. I kept saying that I hadn't been blown away by a New York restaurant or by a tasting menu restaurant in a few years. And this place uh, blew me away. It just, you know, challenged a lot of different things, you know, from plates that had, you know, edible moss, like fried moss and um, Scottish prawns and, you know, really um, Scottish langoustines. I'm sorry, not prawns. Langoustines are like mini lobsters. Um, just just things that were um, flavorful, 
but the technique just shines through of everything. Oh, that Gagan's all about technique. It's all technique. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, it's it's showcasing flavors in impeccable technique. Mm-hmm. Like in perfect technique. And uh I one of the things that I thought was really awesome about Aska is that it's got an open kitchen. Uh, which, you know, a lot of places have open kitchens, but not a lot of fine dining establishments have open kitchens. Is Have you been to Chef's Table at Brooklyn Fair? Yes. Is the, that's yeah. an open kitchen, right? That's an open kitchen. Yeah. I was there in the old space before you had to wait nine years to get a reservation. And that was like a bar. I mean, it was like eating at Co. with David Chang, you know, 15 years ago. Like, it's it's a bar. You get 15, 20 people sitting around the bar and the chef just feeds you your, your meals one at a time. You know, and that was awesome um and i i like brooklyn fair i like co um but then you've got the you know the really fancy ones like per se with their tasting menu and all of that stuff what i really liked about aska is when you walk in everything is very open and friendly and cool but like it's a little bit of a hipstery vibe but the the staff is the friendliest staff that I have ever encountered at a restaurant. Wow. They just come over and chefs and cooks and everyone just comes over and talks to you about everything. So, so like they'll bring over a plate and the cook will, will, you know, talk. So like, I love that. But like when I, as someone that like is on that side of it, a lot of people don't want that at all. And those people suck. I was just going to say that I think there's an art to it. I think there's an art to maybe it's also like when when you have this place that is a tasting menu and they're like you're gonna be here for two hours and like this is what we you're in our house and this is what we do. I think I think that the philosophy and I thought about this a lot because you walk in and it's a it's sort of a cold Nordic space. It's you know stark and lots of exposed brick and you know it's very sparsely designed. It's you know it's like a dark IKEA catalog, <laughs> <laughs> but. It's, it's not. It's a beautiful space, but it's very, you know, it's not a warm, inviting space. What makes it warm and inviting is, number one, the, the cooks and the chefs are, are just out there. Like, they're in the middle of the room cooking for everybody. Um, but number two is the staff that just comes over. And they, I think they, it's an art to knowing when the customer wants to talk to you and when the customer, like, mm-hmm. I I've almost felt bad at a certain point because I had... You know, someone at the table for probably 10 minutes just talking about, I don't know, talking about whatever, where we went to college or, you know, not just talking about food, but just talking about everything. Um, and I think that philosophically, that's that's why Aska is like that. Like you walk in and it's this sort of cold <laughs> Ikea like space. Um, they want to make you feel just warm and invited. And uh, and that's sort of I, I thought that I felt that way. And I have never felt like that just part of the restaurant that night. It was it was that's really awesome. awesome. Really good. That at the modern that's how I felt. Um but like I I went to college with a girl that's a line cook there. Mm-hmm. Or she's not there anymore, but she was. And then the uh the fromager captain was uh, our server and she was from Bayside. And then the Psalm when I were just geeking out, he sent us so much fucking wine. So much cool wine because I was just geeking out about it and he appreciated it. And then like we just talked to like a random server and like I didn't know what something was. So I was like, hey, what what was the name of this? And I tried to pronounce it and I totally butchered it. And the server like she's like, that's what you're calling it? Like busted my balls. And I was like, I'm so happy that you can like bust my balls at like a high end restaurant. 
<laughs> I um, well, I mean, my meal was very Nordic, so I'd be like, "Well, how do you pronounce that?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that was my Norwegian wife is gonna kick my ass for for my Nordic impersonations, but I do it all the time. I thought that was the Swedish. Yeah, I, well, that's what I tell. Okay, I tell her, it's just a Swedish chef. I'm not making fun of Norwegians. I'm making fun of the Swedes. You know, you, Norwegians and Swedes don't like each other. So, <laughs> on your team. Yeah, exactly. I'm secretly making fun of the Norwegians, of all Nordic people. I'm going to have fucking Vikings at my house when this podcast airs. So so what was your – my favorite dish was the tandoori prawn. What was your favorite dish? I think it was the, the langoustines, the Scottish langoustines. Um, I also like the, the moss, the edible moss, which was like I, – I, it tasted like – Peat? No, it was lighter than peat. It was – I don't know. It it was sort of it it was earthy but vegetable-y but crunchy because it was fried and it was it was really Was it deep delicious. fried? No. Pan fried. Pan fried. Um but it was crispy. Um I I really like that. I really but I like the langoustine the best, I think. It was probably the best cooked little piece of lobster-esque oh. sort of shellfish that at, I've ever had. At Gagan, mm-hmm. 25 courses, no beef. Oh. And not even I, I don't think there was pork either, but that's not like that crazy to me. But twenty five courses, not a single beef. Yeah. Course. That's that's bold because you always you're always gonna have some rich businessman that wants a steak. Fucking and you crazy. Always have to give them a steak on a table. Yeah. Dinner. Yeah. Well what's so you said you you've done this, you've done the modern. I mean uh, those those are sort of the two that you've I've done those two. I guess I've done the one at Sen. Right. Um, and then like Attaboy, but that doesn't really count because it's like they're only a prefix menu. My, I I would then, say no, that doesn't count at all because it's three courses. My most memorable experience with a tasting menu was when I got to do um, I got to do the Ilbuli tasting menu. What at um, at Next in Chicago, Grant Ackett's place. Yeah. So you know he, it was when Ilbuli was closing. Um, Ilbuli was sort of the first. It's of the greatest the, restaurant of all time. Yes. Oh, uh, Gagan is a alumni, and so is Grant. Yes. Yeah. So Grant decided that he was going to do this, you know, homage to Ilbuli, and Ilbuli had like an encyclopedia of you, their um, cookbooks, like seven hundred dollars on Amazon. Yeah, I look at it sometimes. I'm like, is this ridiculous. ever going to be not seven hundred dollars? <laughs> so every, I don't know how many courses it was. I have the menu actually still upstairs. Um, I don't know how many courses it was, but it was a lot. And it was um, every course had a description, then it had a number next to it. And it was the number recipe from the Ilbuli cookbook. And this is before the book was even published. So it was awesome. And it was, I would not say that it was the tastiest meal of my life. I will say that it was the most interesting and the most memorable by far. And, I and think, technique wise, I'm sure it was like, well, it, it was techniques that blow your fucking mind. Like at the time, it was like you have one course that is you're eating smoked foam and it's just it's foam that you're eating that tastes like smoke. And you're like, oh, that's sort of gross. Like, I don't get it. And then five courses later, you taste something that goes perfectly with the remnants of smoke that are in your mouth from five courses earlier. That's like, insane. It's nuts. And then they have, you know, there's the. The, the dishes that he's famous for, he's got this gigantic orb of like blue cheese that comes out as a cheese course and it's just hollow on the inside and you crack it open and it's just little shards of like blue cheese, uh, you know, 
really amazing little things like that. It was the first time that I saw the, uh, like the riced cauliflower because you know no one did that at the time. So it was the cauliflower couscous, <laughs> you know, which everybody now just throws it into their you know. Vibe frozen. You yeah, know, it's, like a... it's crazy. But he was like the first one you know to do that. Um, but it just shows like it, it shows how fine dining and crazy thoughts like crazy creativity in the restaurant world lead to frozen entrees <laughs> like you know things come from somewhere it's like that you ever see the um the devil wears prada there's that whole no, no? no. come on come on no it's a good movie there's a whole there's a whole speech that uh, meryl streep gives you know when someone says i guess it's anne hathaway's character says something about like you know it's not it's just fashion and she gives this whole speech about how that shitty gap sweater that you're wearing i could tell you exactly what the evolution of that gap sweater was five years ago that was walked on the runway and it was this dress in this color and blah 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 blah. and it it eventually made it down to your discount rack at the gap and that's how you got this and that's sort of those those mind-bending tasting menu Mm -hmm. experiences um you know eventually you'll see those in the frozen food aisle (laughs) like you'll see a riced cauliflower in the frozen food aisle so i'm waiting for the day where there's a scottish langoustine (laughs) and just smoked foam yeah and smoked foam (laughs) so in your opinion um what makes a good tasting menu like i i have my thoughts and i've sort of talked um, about it but when i like started working at sen i was talking to the chef song about omakase Mm -hmm. and omakase is just a fish tasting menu like there's, right. you know, like that's what it is. I, if you, we count omakase, I've done a couple of those too. But um, so omakase, I, I, I don't know what it translates. Yeah, it translates to the chef's heart or right. something. Whatever the chef wants choice. to give you. Yeah. Yes. So a good omakase takes you on a wave, on mm-hmm. your palate through texture and flavor, and just everything. Um, so I think a good tasting menu should do that as well. Yeah. Uh, it, like it, of course it's gonna kind of follow like the. The soup, salad, main, soup, salad, pasta, main, whatever, mm-hmm. that, that classic cuisine. But it really should go up and down and up. And I don't want two spicy dishes in a row. Right. But if you're going to give me a f- white chocolate ball that is filled with spicy oil and like is delicious, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. They had one course that I wasn't a fan of. It was chutoro, but it was like shitty chutoro. Mm-hmm. And then it was on top of like instead of being a piece of rice, it was like a rice cake type thing or a rice cracker. Yeah, it was. It, it just didn't work. It wasn't hmm. very good. Um, but like whatever. So, but yeah. So he does sushi. He did Hokkaido scallop. He did uni. So like, there's he does all this raw fish, cooked prawn, a chicken that's been that doesn't l- resemble chicken at all. <laughs> uh, a a dish that's entirely eggplant and it's dehydrated eggplant and eggplant chutney and all like it's super like I I really think a tasting menu is the chef flexing, the chef saying like this is why they call me chef. Yeah. Yep. Um, and like, well, and I think that the technique and the flavors are really important. But exactly what you said, it's it's the putting together a tasting menu. It's the order in which you um receive everything. It should come to a crescendo at some point. Like, like I was gonna say, like a good guitar solo. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You start off like it. Like it's literally just it's, like flexing. It's like fucking stairway to heaven, yeah. which is not the great song in my opinion. But <laughs> we get hate mail from Vikings for that too. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, no, it starts off slow and then it goes into like this yeah. blinding guitar solo and then it sort of comes down and lets you off a little bit easy. At like the, end, like the first course of Gagan was a shot. It was an aloe vera ginger shot. And yeah. it's like, this is to get you ready. This is like, get your palate warmed up and like to get you ready for like what you're about to do. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I feel like the tasting menu had its moment. Um, where it just became really popular, I don't know, maybe like seven or eight years ago. And with that came a lot of shitty tasting menus. Yeah. I, you know, like you go to every place and it's like, oh, would you like the chef's menu? And it's it's like maybe four courses of just like the stuff that they don't really want to serve. Or maybe one course where the chef is really flexing and the rest of it is like, well, we need to push this or well, whatever like, it is. Well, like I'm not huge on Sen's tasting menu because it's not a tasting menu. Yeah, I think a tasting menu should have maybe one or two things that are on the actual menu, but it really should just be like things that you can't get unless you go for the tasting. Right, menu. right, right. Yeah, like it. You're paying money for the ingredients, but you're also paying money for like what it is. You're paying money for the. Uh, this is the way I say it. you're paying money for a curation, and I want I want to be taken on that journey. I don't want to pick and choose from the menu. If I'm going and I'm, I've got my mindset, like I want a tasting menu, I want to fully put myself in the chef's capable hands, you know? And I want them to start off small, give me some, you know, something special, whatever, and like just take me on that journey, curate that meal. And I don't want there to be anything that I could have done myself. Like I don't want to be like, oh, yeah, well, I could have just done this if I ordered this, 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 mm-hmm. this, and this, you know? Yeah. And that's not a, a, a chef's menu. For that, me. Yeah, that's why it's said we don't call it the tasting menu. We call it the Nikkei experience. <laughs> that's cool. It's like going to Burger King and getting the fast food experience. They give you a happy meal. <laughs> you well, can like, pick all those things well, off the, the menu the yourself. Only, like, the thing it sent is like the menu's so fucking big. Right. So like it, if you want like really to like see what Nikkei yes. food is. And by all means, I do not mean to compare <laughs> Sen's food to a Happy Meal. But I'm saying if you, you know, if you go to McDonald's, I, you can get a small fries, a Coke, and a small burger mm-hmm. or chicken nuggets. And you can get yeah. them all individually or you can get them as a Happy Meal. Yeah, that's why we're uh, re- redoing it. <laughs> <laughs> um. I what do you what do you think? Because I I like all of the above, but street food tasting menu and then just sort of general you know restaurant food. Like if you're traveling uh, someplace, okay. So that's what I did in Thailand, right? Uh, um, well, that's what I was gonna yeah, get at. Yeah. So I the the food in Phuket is very pedestrian. Mm-hmm. It's all catered for Russian tourists and yeah. Chinese tourists. So the food in, and I was in Phuket for three and a half days. So the food in Phuket was like mediocre. Uh, I never was wowed in Phuket. Uh, I was, I did, um, that's not true. Cause I did a boat, I did a kayaking trip mm-hmm. and the food that they served on there was good. And then I went to the, um, the elephant sanctuary and the food at the elephant sanctuary was good. Cool. But the food at like restaurants and everything, not good, not impressive. Um, like the street food was better than any of the restaurant food in Phuket. I feel like when I travel, I th- there's always the mediocre restaurants that you're going to go to. So I go out of my way to try to find a the, like the fanciest restaurant in mm-hmm. wherever I am. So like sometimes you're disappointed. Sometimes the fanciest restaurant in you know in a small little nothing town is really crap. So I ate at Gagan. I ate at Nam, which is the number seven. Now this year it got number ten, but it was the number seven restaurant in Asia. 
I did their tasting menu, but their tasting menu was just the chef just picked one of every uh, category. Okay. So he just sent me out like a shit ton of food. And so like that that's not a t- – the food was really good. Yeah. They gave me this um, pigeon soup, which is like one of their uh, famous dishes, and it was super rich. But like the boat noodle soup I had at the marketplace, I'm dreaming about that boat yes. noodle soup over the, the – well, News that's what I was gonna say. So, like when I travel, I there's the fancy restaurant that I always try to go to. There's there's mediocre restaurants that you're gonna be eating at all along the way. But I always try to get some sort of uh, cheap street food. The street food in in Bangkok is insane. Ba- yeah. I like. I'm happy I went to uh, Phuket for like the excursions I did and for mm-hmm. the beach. But like I wish I almost didn't and just spent more time in Bangkok. Right. I, no, I hear you. It's like it's one of those places where you sort of have to go. You go once and then that's it. But I yeah, I would never yeah. go back to Phuket. I want to go to Chiang Mai, and then um, Alex I'm, Garland ruined Phuket. You know who he is? No, he, he wrote the beach. Oh, <laughs> which was like uh, I I know the movie when when it came out when that book came out. Everybody my age, which was you know in my mid twenties at the time, everybody had read that book and everybody was like, "We're, we're going, we're going to Thailand." <laughs> but Phuket, like, oh, it's like. The the airport's at the top of the island. All the beaches and everything, all the good spots, like I said in Patong Beach, which is like one of the better spots, mm-hmm. is south. And it's like an hour drive, and it's like tipsy-turvy all the way. Like that drive was awful. Um, I, Yeah, I don't know. Like I, I sound like a baby complaining about like being in fucking on a beach in Thailand. <laughs> but yeah. Oh. First world problems. In, yeah, for in, sure. In the third world. <laughs> yeah, I went to a Muay Thai fight. That was sick. I paid sixty bucks. I was in the second row. Did you get blood on you? I wish. The first fight was a twelve-year-old and a thirteen-year-old. Oh my god. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd be on the phone to Child Protective Services in the U.S. I was like, Are, "Do you know what's going on down here?" Tom, it was five rounds. Oh my god. <laughs> That's crazy. It was, I was like, I don't know how long these rounds are, but this is the fifth round. I'm. I don't know how many rounds these fights are, but it's the fifth round. Are they like? Are they beating the shit out of each other? Are so they, like, they so these and... kids because they're young, and also a thirteen-year-old shouldn't be fighting a twelve-year-old. Yeah, like that one year different. is huge, yep. especially that age. Yeah, um, I mean, I can play when a thirteen-year-old pitcher is, you know, where a you know a nine-year-old pitcher is pitching to my eight-year-old son. <laughs> <laughs> a little different. Yeah, yeah, same thing. So like they they were a little timid. So the ref takes them both by the neck and essentially, I think, tells them, you two need to fight more. Jesus, it's like a cock fight where <laughs> yeah, they get like, the fucking cock like all riled up and take the helmet yeah. off and let it go. Oh, man. So, <laughs> so the 13-year-old won by kicking the 12-year-old in the stomach and the 12-year-old didn't get up. Oh. And like all I learned about Muay Thai is that there's no rules besides when they're on the floor, you can't hit them. <laughs> Oh, like that was what I gathered. The next fight was were two fifteen year olds, and one of them is a monster. Like like a legitimate. He wasn't even big. He was just ripped and strong and like a monster. Then the next fight was a two seventeen year old chicks, <laughs> like chickens. Yeah, like and one of them wasn't Thai. One of them was like from Germany. Well, so I'm sure people go there for you know. Well, like the adults yeah. and stuff. Yeah, but this is a seventeen year old girl in Phuket. Like it's a little different. Since this is a food podcast, I have to ask, what did you eat while you were there? Or just at, drink at the Muay Thai, Thai fight? Yeah. Um, Thai I was beer. just drinking water, but I drank soap. So there's a chan in Thai. It's it's Chang with a G, but the G silent. Uh, mm-hmm. It means elephant. So there's a beer called chan beer, 
and in all the bars is a tall boy for like three bucks. And that was by the end of my trip to Thailand, I was probably about 17% chong beer. <laughs> <laughs> like that's what I consumed the most of in I Thailand. It. I have a picture. I have a, a chan beer. Uh, and I'm sure it was like a, like a Pilsner or a lager. Yeah, it's, like, a, just it's like, American it's like lager. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's pretty good. Um, I have a chan beer uh, tank top now too. <laughs> I have a um, Hanano uh, tank top from when I was in French Polynesia in Thailand. And I, I would just in the morning get like a six pack of Hanano and like go hit a beach somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. I always find the local beer. <laughs> local beers are usually... Usually decent. I think you can get it in the States, too, which I kind of want. I think you can. Yeah. I definitely think you can. You can't get Hanano. I've never seen Hanano in the States, um, even if I'm pronouncing it right. I don't know. It's like 10 years ago, so I have no idea. Um, but cool. Well, I think that's a good place yeah. to end. It's a good first let's, episode. Let's end, yeah, it's a good first episode of the, of the second season. <laughs> we had a good, what, month-long hiatus? Yeah, at it's least. Because we're always working. Working, working, working. Too much. So, all right. Well, um, until next episode, I don't know where we're, we'll talk about, you know, cockfights and flaming hot Cheetos. And I don't cunnilingus. know. Yeah. <laughs> Not even emojis. <laughs> Just cunnilingus and cockfights. That's that's our new podcast. <laughs> Season one, episode one of cunnilingus and cockfights airs. <laughs> Never. <laughs> all right. <laughs> until, until that episode, I'm Tom. I'm Mike. Thanks Thank for you. listening. Bye. <laughs>